Welcome back for Sunday School. We are still in the book of Judges. Uh, we have made it all the way to Judges chapter 2. And uh, looked at last week, uh, we looked at the fact that Judges chapter 1 and chapter 2 are a retelling of some of the life of Joshua. Uh, Joshua is still alive at this point uh, in Judges chapter 2. He's getting ready to send the people uh, away after the angel has come and spoken to them. But we looked at the rebuke from the angel last week. And um, he just simply asked them a question. Or he, he, he gave them a statement. He said, you have... Uh, but ye have not obeyed my voice. And then the question was, why have you done this? And um, the idea is that he's making the children of Israel look inside. Look into themselves uh, to figure out the true cause of what's going on. And... Uh, without pointing the finger, he's pointing the finger. Uh, today, uh, we're going to see Israel's answer uh, in verse number five, or sorry, in verse number four. Uh, Israel repented and they sacrificed and uh, they wept and, and gave sacrifices in Bochum. Bochum is the place of weeping, and uh, we saw corporate repentance. And then uh, Israel is going to continue, but. Uh, this is going to be short-lived, and uh, the title of the message today is The Anger of the Lord. So Judges chapter 2, we're going to start in verse number 5 and read through the end of the chapter and get an idea of what's going on today. So Judges chapter 2 and verse number 5, And they called the name of that place Bochum, and they sacrificed there unto the Lord. And when Joshua had let the people go, the children of Israel went every man unto his inheritance to possess the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being an hundred and ten years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in timnath Heres, in the Mount of Ephraim, on the north side of the hill Gaish. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which, had, which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel and he delivered them into the hands of spoilers that spoiled them and he sold them into the hands of their enemies round about, so that they could no could not any longer stand before their enemies. Whithersoever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil, as the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn unto them, and they were greatly distressed. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges which delivered them out of the hand of Israel that spoiled or out of the hand of those that spoiled them, and yet they would not hearken unto their judges. But they went a-whoring after other gods, and bowed themselves unto them. They turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked in, obeying the commandments of the Lord. They did not so, or sorry, but they did not so. And when the Lord raised them up judges, then the judge was, the Lord was with the judge, and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. 
For it repented the Lord because of their groanings by reason of them that oppressed them and vexed them. And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers in following other gods to serve them and to bow down unto them. They ceased not from their own doings nor from their stubborn ways. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he said, Because that this people hath transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers, and have not hearkened unto my voice, I also will not henceforth drive out any from before them of the nations which Joshua left when he died, that through them I may prove Israel whether they will keep the way of the Lord to walk therein as their fathers did keep it or not. Therefore the Lord left those nations without driving them out hastily, neither delivered them, delivered he them into the hand of Joshua. So we see that Israel made a good start. Uh, the angel came and rebuked them and uh, asked them the question, Why have you done this? Why have you disobeyed? And they repented. And they turned to the Lord and they, they made sacrifices and, and they set up a place and they worshipped the Lord. And then they obeyed the Lord all the time of Joshua. The angel's message had the desired effect. The Bible tells us they served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua. And I got to thinking about this, and it's interesting how diligent we perform a new task when there's somebody there watching. And when there's somebody there following each and every step. I saw it time and time again as I was training people at Harmar and watching people being trained on the line that... When there was somebody there saying, okay, put that screw in that hole, put that screw in that hole, tighten it down to this, they always followed the steps. But then as soon as that person was comfortable and had signed off on their training, and the, the person teaching them left, they began to look for ways to take shortcuts. They began to look for ways in their eyes to do it faster, but it became lazier. The idea is, or the saying is, if you want to find the fastest way to do something, give the job to a lazy person. That They'll tend to find the fastest way to, to get something done. If you want it done right, give it to the diligent person. But as long as Joshua was there pointing Israel in the right direction, and as long as the other elders were there pointing Israel in the right direction, they followed God. But Joshua died. We all die. We're, we're all going to end up sometime off of this earth, either in heaven or hell. And Joshua was no different. So what happens when that leader, uh, that strong leader is gone is Israel began to fall. Joshua and the elders that have outlived Israel, uh, that outlived him, that knew the works of the Lord, died, and now Israel, another generation, rose up to take power that didn't know the Lord. Now this should sound a little bit familiar to you. In Exodus 1, uh, we see this same thing happen to Israel, only Egypt is the one that's forgetting. Exodus 1, and verse number 8. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, 
Let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply, and it come to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies, and fight against us, and so get them out of the land. Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Python and Ramses. Joseph, as a picture of Christ, as a picture of God, had gone through pain and suffering. He had uh, been thrown in the pit by his brothers. He'd been taken and sold into Egypt as a slave, been uh, rose up to power in Potiphar's house, been falsely accused and sent to prison, and uh, rose in the prison to be the leader in the prison, uh, to be the one that's having to answer for all the other prisoners, but then ultimately rose up to be the second in command over Egypt. God put him in a place where he was able to save Egypt from a, a grievous famine and really put the kingdom in a great position. But the Pharaoh, the king that was over Egypt at that time, died, and the next one coming up didn't know who Joseph was. And because of that, Israel was now put into bondage. They were now put into slavery. They had willingly been in Egypt serving and, and supplying for themselves but now they're there because they have to be so Israel should have seen this they should have understood that uh, if we don't continue to teach our history, we're going to repeat it. Yet, they didn't teach their children all the ways of God. They didn't teach the next generation. Not only did they forget of their time in Egypt, but they forgot of the command that God had given them. Joshua chapter 4 Joshua chapter 4 is where the children of Israel are coming over the Jordan River. The priests and the Levites uh, go down into the river, or sorry, the Levites carrying the ark go down into the, the river and the Jordan River splits. And Israel walks across during flood time. And, and God commanded the children of Israel at that time, He commanded Joshua to take 12 stones and to set them up for a memorial. And this is that story. In verse number 19 of Joshua chapter 4, it says, And the people came up out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month and encamped in Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they, which they took out of the Jordan did Joshua pitch in Gilgal. And he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? Then ye shall tell your children now, no, saying, Israel came over the Jordan, came over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until you were passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we were gone over. That all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, 
that it is mighty that you might fear the Lord your God forever. Not only just in Joshua's time, but in Deuteronomy chapter 11, back in Moses' day, in verse number 18, it says, Therefore shall ye lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul, and bind them for a sign upon your hand, that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. And ye shall teach them your children, speaking of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thine house and upon thy gates, that your days may be multiplied, and the days of your children in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon the earth. God had commanded them to take his words and to memorize them and to teach them daily in every situation to his children, to their children, so that this very thing wouldn't happen. But... Again, because they failed to teach the history, because they failed to teach the goodness of God, Israel now is going to see a quick fall. And talk about falling off a cliff. I mean, uh, I think we talked, uh, it's been a while ago, but we talked about how the Christian walk, the, the life of a disciple, of a believer of God, is, is not a smooth and easy walk. Paul uh, likens it to a marathon. But I like to think of it more as it's, it's a rock climbing expedition. And one small step sets you back a long ways. Rachel and I, yesterday, yesterday at lunchtime, we went to Ames uh, over to Lowe's. And as we're, we're driving down 30, we get um, almost to Ames and, and she kind of elbows me and points and uh, we look over and there's a guy hanging off of one of the wind turbines. Now, like he's not hanging like he fell. He's hanging like he rappelled from the head all the way down to about eight feet from the tip of the turbine at the bottom. And he's tied off to his truck. And, but from what I could see, he's there by himself. But one slip in that situation and he has no help. He has the only thing that's holding him up is the rope that's tied off to his truck. But he has no way of, of rescuing himself, of getting down. And it was just because of my history as a firefighter and, and having dealt with uh, people in the construction business who don't plan and don't understand uh, response times and things like that, um, I, I was concerned as we drove by that he would fall and, and be stuck there. And so that was my, my concern as we were coming back that uh, I was looking to make sure that he was still where he was supposed to be and, and uh, not just hanging off the end of the turbine because there's still, I mean, 40 or 50 feet in the air, just the tip uh, of the, the, the blade. That's the word I'm looking for, the blade. Um, so... But of course, he was he was fine. He had adjusted his truck. His slack was taken out. Uh, there was no problem there. But but one thing, one small thing, could have set him back hours, or even possibly killed him. And Israel here, one small slip, and all of a sudden, they are hundreds of years of teaching gone because. They, they're, not, they're no longer serving the Lord. 
No sooner had the elders that knew God died, but Israel begins to do evil in the sight of the Lord. No longer are they in bondage in Egypt, but instead they are in far worse bondage to the gods of the land. And now instead of, instead of having a portion given to them in order to keep them healthy, which was their bondage in Egypt, now they are, the people among them are taking everything they can get a hold of. And we're going to see, uh, you know, this is why Gideon, I kept wanting to say Gibeah, but Gideon, this is why he is threshing wheat in a corner, hiding, is because he doesn't want the people of the land to know what he's doing so they can come in and take it. And this, yeah, this is a stupid analogy, but this reminds me of an old Popeye cartoon. Uh, Popeye and the 40 Thieves, he's in the desert, and him and, and uh, oh, I can't remember the other guy's name. Not Bluto, but the, the fat guy that always ate the hamburgers. Brutus. Brutus. Him and Brutus uh, survive their time in the desert, and they, they make it to a cafe, and they begin to order, and Brutus just keeps trying to eat a hamburger trying to eat whatever's there and a thief keeps popping out and stealing it from him and you know they're popping out of vases and all this stuff and and they're taking everything in the store uh they, they took the camel's teeth um th this is what the children of the land did uh to israel all because they were allowed to still be in the land because israel failed to obey and do uh, what god had told them to do in Matthew chapter 12, Matthew chapter 12 and verse number 43, we have a story and this is a, a, a Christ is teaching here. He's just uh, talked about Jonah being in the whale's belly for three days and three nights, but Matthew chapter 12 and verse number 43 when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then, he go, then goeth he and taketh with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there, and the last state of the man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation." And then Luke chapter 11, this account, Luke chapter 11 and verse number 24, this story is repeated for us. Again, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. He saith, I will return unto my house whence I came out. And when he cometh, he findeth it swept and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh to him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. <clears throat> There's a couple of principles in these verses. One is, uh, when you allow the world back in, uh, it, it's God calls us to be separated. But He doesn't call us just to separate. He calls us to separate from the world and the evil, but to separate to God. You see, the spirit was driven out of that house and the house was cleaned and swept. Uh, it was driven out of that man and that man was made clean, but then that man didn't fill the house with good things. He didn't fill the house with a good spirit, so the house sat empty. And the evil spirit returned and saw that the house was still empty and forced his way in with seven other spirits, and now that man is far worse than he had, than he had ever been. 
That's Israel in this case. Israel had come out of Egypt but had not separated from Egypt. They still were trying to live the life of Egypt. They were still trying to live and serve the gods of the land because they didn't want to separate unto the Lord because in their eyes the Lord's path was hard. And this this just keeps snowballing. Each step gets worse and worse. In chapter 1 we saw a lack of faith which led to discontentment, which led to a greater lack of faith, which led to outright disobedience, which allowed uh, the children of the land, the Canaanites and the, the Amorites, to dwell among Israel, but then eventually made it so that Israel just dwelled among them. So Israel wasn't in charge any longer. The children of the land were. And because of this, now they're serving in chapter 2. They're serving Baal and Ashtaroth, and they're completely forsaking God. They're on a very slippery slope. But praise the Lord, God is, is long-suffering. and They're going to have a long recovery. They're still recovering today, several thousand years later. But God is merciful, and He's long-suffering. And God doesn't want robots. Um, we are trying now to teach the children uh, not just to obey because we say obey, but to obey and do the right things because they know it's the right thing to do. Trying to teach them that common sense that says, okay, if this is going on and this is going on and this is going on, this is what I should be doing. Because when they just obey because we're here, because we're telling them to obey, because they fear force, they fear punishment, then that's going to go away when that is no longer available, when that punishment is no longer there. So God has allowed Israel in their own free will to make these mistakes, and God is still bringing that punishment. But now he's bringing it in a different way. If you go back to the book of Exodus, we're not going to turn there because I didn't take the time to look up the scripture reference, but uh, you go back to the book of Exodus and you remember as Moses is leading the children of Israel through the wilderness, they get to the promised land, the 12 spies, the 10 were bad, the 2 were good, they turn back, they wander in, in, in the wilderness for 40, for 40 years. In that time, uh, Korah, the children of Korah come and they begin to question Moses and Aaron. And they, they begin to... To, to argue and try to take over and be the leaders instead of Moses and Aaron, whom God had put in charge. And if you remember when that happened, God just very quickly opened up the earth and swallowed them. There, there was no uh, warning. There was no nothing. God just opened up the earth and they were gone. The children of Israel are now in a much worse situation. They're in much worse disobedience, much worse sin, but now they've come through a lot. They should have learned a lot. We, we talked in the beginning of the book of Judges that this is now an Israel who is no longer a baby, who is no longer a young child, but is now a teen and a young man that is getting ready to grow and to, to leave on their own. And this is where when Joshua dies, now all of a sudden they are on their own and they have to make their own decisions. And God is using some gentler persuasion. He's long-suffering, and we need to understand that being long-suffering, God is not patient. 
God is not patient. There is a difference between being patient and being long-suffering. Being long-suffering is enduring something that you have the power to change. Being patient is enduring something that you do not have the power to change. God has the power to do whatever he wants. He chooses to not make these changes. He chooses to not just swallow up Israel and destroy them completely. He chooses to teach them. And in that, he's showing his grace and his mercy. Remember, mercy is not getting something that you deserve, and grace is getting something that you don't deserve. So instead of giving them uh, the more severe punishment and just taking them off the face of the earth, God is showing them mercy, and he's giving them a gentler persuasion, trying to have them willingly come back and serve him. So he's going to send judges. He's going to raise up a judge. He's going to deliver the children of Israel from their affliction. And for a time, it works. But verse number 17 has always been interesting to me in chapter 2. It says, And yet they would not hearken unto their judges, but they went a-whoring after other gods and bowed themselves unto them. They turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked in, obeying the commandments of the Lord, but they did not so. Even with the judges we notice that not all of Israel followed along. That it was only a select few. And we need to understand in our own lives that uh, there's always only going to be a remnant. Uh, as, as we go through, and we, I would love to reach this entire town, I would love to reach this entire county and the entire state and the entire nation, but we're not going to see a complete nationwide revival. We're not going to see 100% of people that want to turn and serve God. There's always going to be a group that wants to walk away from God. But we need to reap the harvest that's here. And we need to serve to our best ability so that others can follow. I look at these kids here today, and of course they're just my kids, but and I wonder... What will they do when they're on their own? As a father, you know, did I teach them enough? Um, I, I go back to 2012 when my wife passed away, and, and I think uh, we, we've had several people that we know lately that uh, fathers and mothers have died in car accidents and kids have been left at young ages to other family. Um, I, I, I've made provision in my will that... Uh, if the kids are still minors, who they should go to, people that I trust that would be able to teach them and raise them and uh, bring them up in a godly fashion. But eventually they're going to be on their own. I mean, Abby's a year from being 18 and considered an adult. Six months. Six months from being 18 and considered an adult. By the world standards, being able to make her own decisions. I was making my own decisions when I was Wyatt's age. And yet, I wonder and, and I pray that, that I've done what I'm supposed to do. It's my job to teach them daily at every opportunity about the Lord and His goodness, but ultimately it's up to them to choose the narrow way. Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 13 <clears throat> Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 13 says 
Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bringeth forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. We need to teach them truth. We need to teach them where to find the truth. The only place to find the truth is in the Word of God. And we need to teach them to weigh everything they encounter against the Word. Israel had failed to do this. They had failed to teach God's Word. They had failed to teach the next generation the love of God, the goodness of God, the, the kindness of God. And because of that, they forgot. Most of all, we need to teach them how much God loves them uh, so they can choose to love Him back. And that's, <clears throat> this really is more, uh, this last part is really more of a Father's Day message for next week, but um, that is our goal. And not just us, me as a father or or. Uh, my wife and I as a husband and wife, but uh, the Bible commands all of us, all of us that are elders, all of us that have know and, and love the Lord to teach the next generation. So it's on us. It wasn't just Joshua that failed. The elders that outlived Joshua that knew God failed too. They, they failed to teach the next generation. And because of that, the next generation fell away. And became stubborn and uh, became evil. And the Lord had to punish them. So uh, let's work uh, as we continue through this, as we continue down this road, let's uh, work to really focus on following these words, following this truth that we need to make sure we're teaching at every opportunity the next generation. And helping them to learn and understand so that when they have the chance, they will choose to follow God instead of choose to follow the world.